Hi, everyone, and welcome to this episode of Consulting with Authority. This is Scott Cantrell, and I'm excited to be joined by another new friend of mine, someone that I met recently um, on a networking conversation, a virtual networking conversation like we're all having these days. Um, and I knew immediately from our from, from her first few sentences, talking about what she did and how she did it, that she would be a fantastic interview on a lot of different levels today. I want to welcome Sayer Darling to the podcast. She is a, an executive coach and consultant. She works with individuals and organizations to help them communicate more efficiently and effectively. She specifically works with those leaders to help them navigate the turbulence of change to create opportunity, innovation, and growth. Sayer, thank you so much for being on the podcast today. I really appreciate your time um, and you being willing to share some expertise with me and all the viewers and listeners who are out there. My pleasure, Scott. Excellent. So the place I always like to begin, Sayer, is um, just having you talk a little bit about how you got to where you are, uh, learning a little about the trajectory of your career and how you became um, a coaching consultant uh, in this organizational development space, specifically working with people to help them communicate better. How did that all come to be? Absolutely. Uh, my first career, Scott, uh, was in marketing and communications with a pretty average trajectory uh, starting uh, this will date me, but starting back in, when public relations was still a very important uh, discipline, it's been um, absorbed by other positions now in, or right. taken care of in other ways. But um, I was always fascinated by the conversation behind the conversation. It's not what people want to say that is as important as helping them figure out what they need to say in order to be heard. And uh, the difference um, as a consultant translating that those skills to being a consultant or a coach is the difference between wanting to say and needing to say is the, is the same as you are outstanding in your field or you are outstanding in your field. Um, <laughs> right. You know, um, whatever your expertise, you absolutely have to sell it through the keyhole of opportunity of what people want to buy. And that's what I learned in my career uh, working in communications marketing communications, moving into executive communications. And then for some strange reason, I always had the opportunity in my career to work on some really messy, messy situations mm -hmm. that were usually about changes being communicated in an organization. And this was long before change management. And I tend to gravitate to those very complex situations with many moving parts. And so that has translated into crisis communications mm -hmm. and then um, dealing with change. And I have migrated my uh, views of change Um it cannot be managed very well. We don't handle the people part of change very well, even though that's the purpose of change management. Sure. So I look at this as how do we leverage change? Change is a way of moving business forward. Otherwise, we would all still be working on an industrial, uh, in an industrial situation on a factory line somewhere and, right. and change to be viewed as, okay, this has changed. How can we change? What are the opportunities it gives us? Um, 
it is really, I think, the way to go. And so my focus in coaching now is to help people leverage change and really working with clients at the intersection of culture, change, and leadership. Excellent. And and obviously, as we are recording this right now, um, you know, God willing, we are on hopefully the tail end of a global pandemic, um, but it's still very much with us. And so all that said, I can only imagine the last 18 months or so for you in terms of working with your existing clients or new clients, the nature of that conversation um, has shifted, uh, perhaps principally um, the nature of conversation and the nature of change and all of that hasn't changed <laughs> principally, uh, but so much has shifted and evolved in our marketplace over the last 18 months. Maybe you can speak to, to that in your experience, maybe on two fronts. Um, one, what have you experienced as a professional coach and consultants of which, you know, these are our listeners and viewers. What has been your experience and what kinds of changes or shifts or evolutions have you had to make to continue to operate your business successfully? And then from your client's point of view, in terms of the work that you do, helping someone manage um, uh, their, you know, manage the change or, or work within that intersection of change, culture and leadership. How has that shifted in, and uh, evolved over the last 18 months or so? Right. Well, first of all, um, I think it's how we want to contextualize what has happened. If you think of COVID as a particular episode and we are going back to the way things were, um, you're going to have an incredible amount of difficulty because right. technology has advanced so much. A change has happened so fast that going back and focusing on all of these one-off problems um, that, you know, things that were broken, things don't work anymore, et cetera, you will never be able to catch up with how fast things are moving today. So if you are operating your business and getting ready to go back to quote-unquote normal, um, that train has left the station, Don't you, you don't have a chance to get on it, okay? Right. Right. Um the impact on me is I am constantly looking at how the conversation has changed specifically on LinkedIn mm -hmm. and the emails I'm getting into my feed about what people are selling and how they're talking about it. And what I'm looking for are what is the mood in the conversation? You could tell this from the beginning of COVID. You could watch um, how people's posts were focused on giving everyone encouragement. Um, you could see it focused on more political comment. You could see it focused on all the conversation and going back to work, uh, whatever it is. And then sometimes the conversation was absolutely all over the map and everyone was in a state of chaos. And so I really focus my conversations on LinkedIn to fit within uh, what people are wanting to talk about and how they're wanting to talk about it and then tie it back to what I do. So I'm always watching the conversation. That's good. Um, yeah. One of the, the things I look at for uh, my clients um, is to constantly recontextualize where we're at right now because so much has changed 
Um, there's just a general state of chaos in our brains right now. What do I focus on next? How do I show up? What do I talk about? Did you ever think, hi, how are you, uh, To as, as an opening statement to your best friends even, would be such an explosive, a divisive conversation at right. times. Yeah. You know, so you want to step very lightly um, in leadership uh, prior to COVID. People were focused, leaders were focused on leading the business. So their conversation was very little and their communications was all about what's going on in the business. COVID happened and all of a sudden, every single leader has to be authentic, transparent, and directly compassionate, okay? Right. Now, All of a sudden, some, you're right. That's exactly what happened. That was the prescription yeah. immediately, yeah. Exactly. And exactly how authentic, transparent, and directly compassionate did some leaders sound when their communication had been all about how to improve the bottom line. Yeah. Probably didn't seem that authentic at all, and they probably felt incredibly awkward. Now, people have to have conversation. I'll talk a little bit more about that in a minute. But they have to have both conversation and communications equally as well, leading the business and leading their people. The trick about this is they have to do it at the same time. Pardon me. What you will notice is that leaders will start a meeting or um, uh, an exchange with someone uh, more conversationally. And then somewhere in there, maybe you can see it coming, maybe you can't. There's this all of a sudden, okay, now this is why we're gathered here today. This is why we're talking today. It's like, okay, that was real authentic and transparent, wasn't it? It was like, it was like whiplash, uh, right? Yeah. It's totally like whiplash. And so, <clears throat> excuse me, what I talk about with my clients is that the currency of leadership is communications and conversation. No matter what your specialty was, be it marketing, be it finance, be it IT, you have to be able to engage a diverse group of individuals into conversations so they feel connection, that sense of belonging that is so important to younger generations today. That comes through conversation. And the difference between conversation and communications is, Scott, we're having a conversation right now. It's slower. It is more measured. I tend to use my hands a little bit more, but when I'm talking to an executive in a communications, I tend not to do that. Mm-hmm. And communications is you have a question, I respond. Right. I have a question, you respond. It's it's really back and forth. Your voice isn't modulated as much. It's very purposeful and we throw our voice a little bit more. And conversation is not like that. Right. You know, conversation is more like a song. Um Different modulation, different pacing, stop, rest, compose our thoughts, etc. And that's where the real connection happens. And that connection is how organizations restore trust into their organizations. And trust now has to be the foundation of an organization's culture. That's the days of the days of how many ping pong tables and uh, (laughs) coffee machines you could get in your organization to have a great culture. um, Those days are over. It is really found in building trust 
mm-hmm. building culture around that trust and being able to be comfortable in conversation with one another. You know, I think that's so important. And in our last conversation, uh, the word used very intentionally, you were describing this to me and uh, it was, it really was a realization to me that being a communications guy in the business development marketing space, right? Everything that I do directly or indirectly relates to communicating a message to an individual or group of people about something. Sometimes that's content that's designed to truly help their position. Sometimes it's a sales message designed to educate them about an opportunity sometime, you know, whatever it may be. And I realized that I was always thinking, thinking through that process in a very sterile way as the classic communication process, right? Um, You know, recipient uh, and speaker and the recipient, the listener, the feedback loop and all that. And, and, and that has value at a certain level, but what you're getting at, I think is much, much more important. And it's this idea of true connection. And so you were saying, and I completely agree with you, you were talking about the companies and organizations that are trying to establish culture with all the novelty of a ping pong table or the, you know, uh, you know, the snack room, you know, making it all great or arcade or pinball or whatever. And, And as you were saying that, I realized those organizations, whether intentionally or not, what they, I don't think they were doing this intentionally, but they understood or they they realized, I don't think they could articulate it, but they said, hey, listen, we're going to put this pinball machine here to have people have fun and that's going to give us a great culture. And it's like, well, that's pretty short-sighted, right? I mean, people might like pinball and they may be glad it's there, but I don't think that is the nature of a great culture. I think what the organization was trying to get to was if we can get people to play and let their guard down, they'll have the conversations and they'll have those connections. But those those were tactics without strategy. They were tactics without well strategy. Yes. And what you're talking about is how to strategically organize and, and stimulate these meaningful conversations that lead to connection. No pinball yep. machine, no ping pong a ball table needed. Um, and I think that's really, really important. There is absolutely a difference between having a conversation with somebody, listening to their point of view, them listening to your point of view, having a true dialogue um, and, and moving the ball forward in that way through an, a legitimate connection, as opposed to Mr. Marketer guy saying, here's my message. Now tell me what you think, right? right? It right. is a totally different approach. Yes. Um, yes. And and I hadn't really ever thought about since our, you know, before our last conversation, I had never really thought about distinguishing the two. In my mind, conversation was simply a subset of communication. It wasn't something different. And what you're describing is it is truly something different. Uh, It's a meaningful difference. So So let's talk about that difference just a little bit more. Um, When we're having a conversation, we're not just talking about the particular subject that was called, that we were called to discuss. We are finding ways to expand that conversation. So Um, tell me about the context of this. Well, what's your experience with that? Well, does anyone have any analogies they can provide? Um, When you have a communication, you get answers to your questions, but you don't create any of that context. You don't understand what your project, your purpose in coming together, um, 
how it has to be understood by people to be able to be adopted by people. So when you're in conversation with someone, let's say you're you're, um, trying to move someone toward a sale and, and really create an engagement. If I ask you, all right, so what is your problem inside the organization? How do you want to solve it? How do you want to feel afterwards? And what is going to be the impact of the results? Well, I'm going to get direct answers to my questions, maybe, because that's why they want to hire you. They don't really know the answers to all those questions. Correct. Yeah. And and I am not going to understand what growth stage your company is in, whether your culture is toxic, um, whether there's an 800-pound elephant in the middle of the room. Um, I'm not going to stand, understand anything about that. So when I have a conversation, I'm looking at questions that go way beyond the direct um communication of, I need this information to fit the marketing funnel so I can pump out the proposal or whatever it is. And so a conversation really informs the rela- what the relationship is like and what is really need. And as a coach, as a consultant, it really helps you mind that gap between what the client is asking for and what it is you re- they really need and you really have to talk them into because they don't think they need it. You know, when you are doing something new for an organization, yet they use the same language and the same uh, processes to get the information out there, you totally dilute the opportunity available to leverage the change. So you have to see things differently in order to say things differently. Um, I, as we were talking prior to this program, there's a fabulous quote, which I like to use by Emerson. And he said to be a first, you have to be a seer to be a sayer. So in many ways, I was born to do this or right. at least named after it pointed, pointed my pointed my way. Um you have to help your clients see things differently before you can get them to where they've asked you to take them. The gap between what they have asked for versus what they really need. So conversation is a crucial leadership currency that people do not use for the most part. Oh, we're going to have a conversation. We'll sit down and talk about that after this project is done. Right. Realize. Yeah. What kind of synergies you can find, opportunities, um, workarounds you can prevent by having those conversations in the moment. Right. Exactly. Yep. Absolutely. And so much of the time, that context. uh, So I always talk about the difference in marketing with my clients. I always talk about the difference between content and context. And content is are the data points or the key points that need to be communicated how they're communicated, how they're wrapped. This, I love this metaphor used earlier. You talked about um, we must sell through the keyhole of opportunity based on what the client wants to buy. I wrote it down as fast as I could. So the context is selling through the keyhole of the opportunity based on what the client wants to buy it from a marketing standpoint from it within a conversation. Yes. We will have content that we'll distill and we'll talk about, but that's the point. We're talking about it. 
We're talking right. about it. We're giving it context in terms of right. giving it meaning of what it means to you yes. and what it means to me and what we yes. can do with that moving forward. So there is this whole issue of, of focusing too much on the, uh, maybe not focusing too much on the content. I should say it this way, focusing too little on the context uh, within our dialogue, within our communication, i.e. actually creating a meaningful conversation um, through a focus on on the context piece, uh, c- contextualizing what we're saying or what we're trying yes. to uh, the message yes. we're trying to deliver to someone else. I think it's really so me, really important. Yeah, let me talk about this that just a moment. Um, just to back up to your point about uh, using your or putting all of your communications into that marketing funnel. There was a time um, in my career before I was working in the space that I am now, and I did a ton of marketing and communications work. And I did not realize this, but I was, I was having conversations with myself and how to to take care of my life by putting it through the marketing funnel. I thought, oh, my stars, I'm missing so much information. So uh, when you take that analogy and put it into the work world, um, we tend to put our our communications rather into that marketing funnel. We have 45 minutes. We have everyone in the room is getting pinged constantly during this time with all these emails. We have to make a decision today because we have to execute by next week, et cetera. So we do not take time for conversation. God forbid someone would disagree (laughs) or would get a piece of information (laughs) that would is the difference between success and not so much success, but by George, we're going to meet our deadline. Right. Exactly. Yep. So um, what happens in those meetings is people are very tense. Um, they are using only the thinking part of their brain, your CPU, if you will, in the frontal cortex. They're talking really fast and they're reciting all their information and they're telling the stories and they're hardly breathing. And you know what they're going to say before they open their mouth anyway, because you work with them for so long. So I make my point. Um, and <laughs> right. what, you're re- what you're really looking for is people to also be able to bring their emotional brain, which is the, in the amygdala at the base of their spine. And it does not move quite as fast. Right. And so conversation is where you have the opportunity to bring in the head and the heart of the conversation, build that connection and a real understanding and a satisfying exchange right. in the work experience. Um, how often have you been in meetings where you leave the room and go, OK, I got it. We didn't really need a meeting if we weren't going to talk about it more than that. And then afterwards, you find that people are barely on the same page. Anyway. The information yep. barely met, you know, didn't mean the same to finance as it did marketing as it did, you know, whomever. And you wonder, well, how in the world did that happen? We had all these meetings. Right. So exactly. what happens is we're going to use a new meeting process and we're going to check all these boxes and here's how it's going to work. And then that process takes on a greater importance than building the connection in the first place. So what you are looking for when you're practicing moving your communications into conversation is the body language and um, the unspoken. So how are people speaking? Are they taking their time? Are they being thoughtful? Can they disagree respectfully? Um, Can they navigate 
all the differences in understanding between departments. Um, are you are you getting time for jokes and smiles? Are you seeing people visibly exhale when they go, oh, thank goodness, we don't have to worry about that. You're really looking for that exhale. Yeah. And then, you know, you're really connecting with people. The other thing to, to watch for is the, the, the vocal, the tonality of their voice. Sure. If I am throwing my voice, talking at a much more rapid rate, um, getting excited, really pushing my information out there, I'm communicating to you. This is what I want to tell you. Right. And when you're in conversation, you're slower. Your voice is a bit deeper. Um it doesn't move along as if you were an, a broadcast journalist making an on-live report. Right. Um, and and um, it's much more natural. Yeah. Yeah. You know, the other note that I, I take away, because I'm imagining, you know, all the different experiences I've had in those types of meetings and, and from one end of the spectrum all the way to the other, of course. And what I'm starting to realize, too, is from a leader's point of view, uh, the, the non-conversational way, right. Of leading a meeting or, or talking to somebody, their focus is on it. I will say it's on themselves. Uh, I, this is information. Well, I, I have need, to be a leader. Cause I, I have, have to, to be a leader. The, yeah. Right. Right. And this is the information I need you to get. This is the information right. I need you to do something with. Um, and I suppose there's a place for that from time to time, but in 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 the nature of creating, in the nature of the intersection of change, culture, and leadership, that is not the place for that style of communication. That's the place for a true conversation. And a conversation is not all about me or the message I need to share, right? It is equally about what my perspective and my thought and the context to that and your perspective and your thought and the con and your context to that and a sharing uh, yes. those yes. things. And that's where you can start to affect, you, you can start to ingrain change, affect culture in a positive way and truly become uh, a leader as opposed to yes. a, uh, a sterile, you know, bossy manager, so to speak. Exactly. Uh, and that is a critically important competency these days mm. when there we are a world of specialists. We all work in our particular specialty and we don't even have the gift of conversation um, in our specialty so much because mm. our performance is all based on productivity. It's not based on quality. And so if you are in a situation where uh, you are trying to scale an entrepreneurial operation, you need to have a different way of connecting with people and engaging people. Your team leaders need to start building in um, the opportunity for the team members to solve their own problem. They because that that in that way they can bring more of their strength into the organization. When the team leader solves everybody's problems, the team lead might feel good, wanted, needed. Here, I'm so important, I'm so valuable, but it actually weakens the team because they don't have the opportunity to learn what you have already learned and get stronger sea legs. Yeah, the the autonomy then, is lower. Yeah, exactly. That will when the team. Um, is much more functional on its own, 
that gives the team leader the opportunity to focus on the conversations and relationship building they need to have with their peers so they can start making some of those decisions at a higher level. What people don't understand is when organizations expand and contract, the dynamic of that organization changes as well. Therefore, the style of communications has to change to accommodate that. So what if you are scaling, that's a different way to have communications inside of an organization than if you ha- are contracting and need to build more intimacy and more connections to keep everyone together and on the same page as you go through a period of adjustment. Yep. Yep. Uh, makes perfect sense. And so I want to take uh, a sidestep here and take everything that that you've said in the conversation we've been having and just make a quick shift and different, slightly different application. We've been talking primarily about organizational development, conversations leaders should have with their teams, et cetera. But it occurs to me, and this is where I want your insight, um, uh, your perspective. It occurs to me that I'm thinking of the listeners and viewers who are watching this, our our brethren, right? Our peers, our, uh, our fellow con- coaches, consultants, experts, thought yep. leaders, et cetera. And it occurs to me, everything that you're talking about in terms of organizational development and the proper way to have a communicate a conversation within such an organization applies perfectly to a consultant or a coach having a prospect or client conversation as well. Everything we're talking about applies perfectly if they're trying to truly establish a level of meaningful connection and trust with that individual. Right, right. You know, one of the... Um things that all of our our people um, focus on is when they have a conversation, they want to connect in order to sell. Right. And you can you can feel that, you can hear that without anything being said, you know when it's happening. Mm-hmm. And that's because the consultant or the coach is is looking into the future too far. If you just focus on having a good conversation, it will lead to the next conversation and the next conversation. And that will lead to the ultimate outcome that you want. However, if you show up and you are so focused on what you want out of the conversation, I want to sell this as fast as possible because I don't sell this as fast as possible. Then I have to do more prospecting and I don't really want to do prospecting because I really need to sell something right now. That dance. Yeah. Um, you you miss all of the nuances. You miss the opportunity to expand the conversation and get as much information as possible mm. that will allow you to keep that conversation alive in the weeks and months ahead because, oh, they just dropped a hint that um, they're going on vacation at this time. I can reach back out to them and say, hey, hope you had a great time. Right. Uh, I've been there as well. Did you happen to enjoy this right. event, or these sites? That conversation builds connection and relationship, and that more often leads to meaningful connections and sales and the type of work that you really want than turning yourself into a um, bit of a robot. Okay, now I have to do my LinkedIn outreach. Okay, now I have to do my cold calls. Okay, now I have to have this conversation. And that, for me, is drains my energy. And as entre- as solo practitioners, 
or even small business owners, we have to manage our energy as much as we have to manage our productivity. Yep. Because uh-huh. when you, we all know this, when we have a lot of energy, our creativity is fabulous and we can get so much work done in half the time and we're, we feel good about it. Right. But no, our ego takes over and we think, oh, productivity, that's how I'm evaluated. Even today, even when I'm my own boss. Right. Um, she she can just be a, a slave driver at times, you know, I am my <laughs> own boss um, and I have to work this many hours because it's supposed to be hard and I can do hard work. Well, yeah, call BS on that, right? Yes, um, big BS. <laughs> um, you know, that's a, so there's a lot to unpack. There. There's a couple of things I want to pull out and restate for my own benefit and maybe for everybody else, too. One is, and you said this a couple times, you said it or alluded to it, and that is that quality is not the same as productivity. Um, and that that's it's when you said it, I wrote it down. And, I, I, and to be fair, I qualified. I said quality is not necessarily productivity, right? It, you know, you could look at, well, how, how do we create quality productivity? Okay, fair. But what you just said in terms of being a small business or solo practitioner is 100% right. The quality of our experience running a business or living our life has is not directly correlated. It's not directly causal based on our level of productivity. Now, like you said, sometimes the more productive we are, we can feel better about it. But ultimately, sometimes we get in our own way and we say, I have to be productive to feel better about it. That's the problem, right? Right. It's when it's when we let productivity rule the day as opposed to the quality of our work or the quality of our experience. And that's what you're speaking to. Yeah, I think that's, exactly. I think that's huge. You, you know, most of us were trained, uh, had our first careers in larger organizations and our entire culture is built around, you know, in this country, you work hard to get ahead and all that, all that stuff. Mm-hmm. That all being true. Um, the opportunity as a solo practitioner um, or small, medium-sized business owner is to create the kind of company you really want to be a member of and really remember your purpose and your unique voice. You know, that is um, one thing that, that we very often lose is our unique voice, which is in fact, I think just about the one and only key to selling your business. If you walk and talk and sound like everyone else, you're basically competing on lowest cost provider or chemistry. And if you speak to your unique voice and can help contextualize it for people to say, here's where my um, approach works best. These, if you, if I look at your situation and you have these things going on, I am your perfect person. And here's why. Rather than being scared, you're not going to get the sale and sound like everyone else, stretch our expertise, start communicating instead of having a conversation. That does not generate any energy that sucks us dry. You know, uh, that, and that's directly related to the second thing I wanted to, to really emphasize. And that's your note about if when you're having a prospect or client conversation, Uh, If you'll focus on the quality of the conversation in the moment and not focus on or worry about the sale you're trying to make as quickly as you can or or what the future conversation is going to be. If you'll focus on 
creating a quality conversation in that moment, you don't have to worry about the second conversation. It will come. And that's a that's much, exactly right. that is, that is a mindset shift for so many of us, I think in this space, because we are small to mid-sized businesses, or in some cases, solo practitioners, we, we feel like, Having a conversation, we get, okay, I need to build rapport. I need to have the chemistry. But here's the here's the, the the change in what I'm hearing you say. That's not what you're talking about. You're talking about a connection, not just rapport or chemistry. And and there that is that's a difference. There's a difference there. That so focus the on focus on listening and asking good questions and being genuinely interested in that right. individual and their situation and and go with the momentum of that conversation as opposed to yes. always trying to pull it back to, ooh, there's an opportunity for me to talk about a benefit of what right. I do. Ooh, there's an opportunity exactly. to talk about the features of what I do. Ooh, there's an opportunity for me to pound my chest about right. a success story. Um, right. I think that's really, really important uh, is to focusing, is focusing singularly on making that conversation as quality of a conversation as possible. Yes, that goes back to one of my earlier comments what you want to say, looking for all those sales opportunities, isn't as important as what you need to say in right. order to be heard. How are you going to be heard? If you focus your conversation on that person, mm-hmm. try to understand them, the context, stay in conversation. That is the key. And Right now, it seems counterintuitive because everything is changing and clients are very. Um, for many of us, clients are very difficult to get them to focus, to take action, to stay on track. And so we need a lot more uh, prospects in the pipeline. So we're working even harder. So we want to have really fast communications in order to move people in the pipeline. And if you want a way, sure way to stand out right now, have conversations, quit sending these emails um, to many of us coaches and consultants, I can help you make six figures, but you have to spend five figures to do it. Well, <laughs> yeah. that is a sure way not to make any connections whatsoever. But it's all transactional, right? At that at that yes. level, it's all just, it's a transactional sentiment yes. at best. Yeah. Yes. One thing I want to bring up um, that helped me so much in my business this year is I created my business around two principles not just chasing down individual projects and clients, but to partner with people who can give me referrals Mm -hmm. to multiple clients. And then the other thing is to create an ecosystem. So I work in the intersection of leadership, culture, and change. So I am working with people who are changing culture of organizations. I work with other leaders one-on-one. I help organizations leverage change. So when I am looking at my LinkedIn feed, the article I see in McKinsey, for example, Mm -hmm. I can share that with a number of different folks, Um, just put a little bit different introduction on it as it applies to their situation. And one conversation I'm having about um, how difficult it is for a particular leader to lead change sparks an idea for me when I'm talking with folks working in culture to say, you yeah. know, here's what leaders want help with today. And so mm-hmm. that in itself is really generating a lot of energy for me because to come up with all the new conversations and stay informed on all the different uh, projects you're chasing, clients you're chasing, you just go down so many rabbit holes, 
Yeah. There are there isn't enough time in the day. So right. I found that to be very both of those things to be very helpful. Yeah, that's excellent. And you actually anticipate where I wanted to go next briefly is in terms of talking about business development um, and how <clears throat> over the years and then maybe specifically over the last several months, what have you been doing? You already just gave one fantastic strategy about identifying strategic partners that are yeah. complementary to the work that you do. You can certainly share them with your own network and they can certainly share you with theirs. But talk a little exactly. about your business development strategy over the years and what you've seen that that works best for you based on your focus of this quality over quantity approach. Right. Um, I began my business. This will this will date me, but I began my business in 1995 and 90% of my business came from referrals. Sure. Yeah. And because people have moved on, well, the world has changed just a little bit in that <laughs> amount of time. Um I have had to figure out a way to um, take my conversation and present it in different places. So I've done a lot of public speaking. Mm -hmm. I've made a lot of presentations. That was a particular phase that served me well. And then I'm more adept now, of course, using my own broadcast journalism background to move those conversations um, online to Zoom, et cetera, and uh, now engaging in some social media, that kind of thing. And it's based on a conversation. You know, a lot of people get stuck in just trying to figure out, well, I, I know I should comment on this particular LinkedIn post, but what do I say? I'm not an expert. What if it's wrong, et cetera? And, you know, they go into their heads, they go into their ego, they go into their fear. And I want to look smart in front of all these people and I want them to connect with me, blah, blah, blah. So if you think about it from a conversational perspective, you can write a comment that is an add-on value while also acknowledging the person who made the comment. You want to do this in a way that is engaging. You don't just want to put your expertise out there with with the grace of a load of bricks and say, (laughs) what do you think? Right. Okay, so what? Why should I care? Um, So if you do that in a conversational, just go in your head and say, if I were talking about this to someone, here's how I'd sound. Rather than sweat and fret about, how do I write this and make it sound really good? That's good. Yeah, that's excellent. Um, so with the last couple of minutes of our time to, together, I wanted to, uh, obviously at the end here, I want to be sure that people know how they can contact you and get yes. a hold of you and engage with you. But before we go there, question that I ask everybody, and I, I would be remiss not to ask you as well, um, Personally, professionally, over your career as an executive coach, consultant, working with organizations and individuals, um, biggest lessons learned. What have you taken away, uh, learned for yourself that may be uh, valuable and meaningful for the listeners and viewers here? Yeah, Um, I've thought about this uh, prior to this interview today to make sure I uh, provided something that it's applicable uh, um, and not just focused on my own behaviors and and <laughs> um, uh, ways of communication that need improving. Um, and, and, and it's this, um, speak up early. When you're in conversation with someone, it is so much easier to say, you know, I think I saw... Uh, you were a bit distracted when we were talking about this, or I saw you look at uh, the clock or um, whatever 
the situation is, oh, when we talk about this, you never mention your coworkers, you never mention whatever. You can call things into the conversation. When you're in a conversation, when you're communicating, you cannot do that. Correct. That's so true. Yep. And so what happens is all that information isn't brought into the conversation, which typically is very important to the project and the context, and it doesn't go well. So my counsel is to whenever you see hmm, a flicker that somebody is going off track, some sort of red flag or indication that something's off. Yeah, a curiosity of, well, that's kind of strange. Call it into conversation. There's a technique called noticing and calling it out. I noticed that you did this. I wanted to see if you wanted to share more about that. Or I wanted to, un- I hate to say unpack it because that's such a trendy word. But Not understand. There's anything wrong yeah, with it. Yeah. But I want to understand that at, d- at a deeper level. If anyone listening to this program remembers nothing, remember this. I'm curious to learn. Help me understand. When you say it that way, no one understands what your real agenda is behind asking it. You don't have to reveal it. They don't have to think that there's ulterior motives. Right. And you really ask for the engagement and the connect, invite the connection through. You know, I'm curious about that. I'd like to learn more. I love that. That's great. And it goes straight to this idea of truly having a meaningful conversation, one where there's a true connection established, because if you do get an indication that something's off or a red flag, like you're talking about, if you don't address it in a in a proper professional way, to be fair, but in a direct way, if you don't get an answer to that, then the question becomes, was a true connection made? I mean, if it's that important, right. if, if there's right. a serious issue at the core of, of this conversation that we're not shining light on in some way, then you won't be able to have a meaningful, at least not a long-term connection with that individual, much That's less exactly anything right. else that in terms of deliver, contributing value or anything like that, it all begins with right. that connection. So what you're talking about is shining a light on that professionally, yes. properly, empathetically, yes. so that there can be a true connection and that barrier hopefully yeah. won't stay there. One of the most common denominators, the common results from that type of situation is, oh, that, you know, we've been there, done that before. That doesn't work. Oh, they're taking a very similar approach. They -hmm. went down the same path. You have to be curious if you don't want to go down the same path. Yeah, right. Yeah. And I love the language. Help me understand. I'm curious to learn. I wrote them both down. Um, (laughs) Sayer, this has been a fantastic conversation truly a conversation yes i've enjoyed it thoroughly scott thank you uh and so please let everybody know if they if they if they if they themselves want to engage with you if they have a client that might be good for you to engage with or if they just want to find out more have a conversation with you you bet how would they go about uh doing that sure um i will give you the email and that is sayer sayer s-a-y-r-e at sayer hyphen darling.com. And you can see that because of that name, I haven't created a name of my business that's any 
addition to that. And I am selling myself, my expertise, and it's all customized work. So Sayre at SayreDarling.com. And if you go on LinkedIn, please reach out to me. I can guarantee you there's absolutely no one else, no one else with my name. So you will find me. <laughs> Very good. Excellent. Well, again, sincerely, thank you for your time and your generosity of sharing both your time and your expertise with me and everybody else today. I, I, I've got a page and a half of notes, a couple pages of notes, good, uh, just good. from this conversation, not to mention the last one. And um, I know that everybody who was paying attention took away a lot of value. So thank you so much. I look forward to happy, continuing our conversation. I would love it, Scott. It's been a great conversation. I appreciate your time. Very good. Thank you, Sayer. Thanks very much. And for everybody out there, this has been Consulting with Authority. This is Scott Cantrell, as always, wishing you the best of success. Thank you for listening. I hope you got a ton of value out of this episode. And before we go, I want to thank the sponsor of our show, Smart Solutions Media. Smart Solutions Media empowers business owners, consultants, and other independent professionals to easily attract better prospects and transform them into long-term clients. If you're a B2B consultant or service professional and would like to start filling your pipeline with better quality prospects, visit us on the web at smartsolutionsmedia.com to learn more about what we can do to help you. Be sure to complete this short two-minute accelerated growth scorecard you can find on the website and you'll receive a complimentary strategy session where we'll give you specific insights and recommendations to help you attract high-value clients. Until next time, make sure you are consulting with authority.